5432-1, this is the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode 100 and screwed that one up, didn't I? I think it was the uh, sight of you drinking out of what looks like a Pyrex dish, or not a Pyrex dish, like a Pyrex jug or plastic it's measuring me- jug. No, it's not a Pyrex, it's a measuring jug. Why are you drinking orange out of a measuring jug? It's just the biggest glass I've in the cupboard. <laughs> it's not, I hate to break it to you, mate, not a glass. You're right, because it's plastic for one. The biggest vessel you could find. That's like a thing. Vessel. You say, what is that, 750 mils? A, a litre? I think I have one very similar, actually. Well, the top is 600, but I add it right to the top, so it's probably more like 800 mil. Okay. Is that, um, did that, did that come with some form of like blender or like single whisk? I think I've got one similar that came in like a whisk set, like an electric whisk. Uh, or a blender. Possibly, possibly. Right. Okay. Um, it, do do you think? Sorry, this is episode 191. By the way, in case anyone actually cared before I balls it up, do you think that drinking that amount of liquid uh, at eight o'clock at night is going to affect your sleep, or do you think like, no, it's fine, you won't have a problem? No matter what I drink, I will not wake up for well, very, very rare to wake up for a piss in the night. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Also very interesting that one, you're dieting, which makes it even more interesting. But two, even when I'm not dieting, I often. I would say 50-50 chance when I'm not dieting that I'll get up for a wee. And I would say if I'm dieting, 100% chance at least once. If I'm severe in a diet, possibly multiple times. It's strange how two people are so different, really, isn't it? It, it, it is. If if the, if Eliza wakes up in the night, and then I'll probably go for a piss and just because of that, I'll, I'll bet I'll... Well, you're up, yeah. 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 Not because I am, maybe. But I obviously do need one, but... So, sometimes I'll wake up and I'll lay there... And I'll kind of feel like I need to go, but maybe not so bad that I have to get up. But it'll then keep me awake for a little while. And in the end, I just think, oh, I'll just bite the bullet. I'll get up and I'll be better off having a wee and then getting straight back to sleep, which I know I, I am a pretty good fall asleeper. I don't know what's the word there, but my, my ability to fall asleep is quite good. So usually I'll just literally fall straight back to sleep as soon as I get back in bed. So, And then after that, like laying there for a bit and then going for a wee, I then immediately regret why I laid there why didn't I just get up and have a wee? Because I've laid there for 15, 20 minutes thinking I'll just go back to sleep and then didn't think I've just wasted 15, 20 minutes. I could have just gone and have a pee and come back. But... Just do you to do. Yeah. Um, I will say, I find, and I think this is reasonably well known or accepted within industry, but certainly a lot of clients I experience this, but um, it's, most people when they diet seem to then see this frequency of getting up to go into the toilet. I don't really know why that is. I don't think I've ever heard anyone give any evidence-based answer, and I've never really looked into it to know. Mm. I know it's like, yeah, what would cause that? Well, I, I wonder, and this is absolute and utter fabrication on my part, and I will openly admit that, um, but I was trying to think, is it people, well, it could be, you know, the ideology of someone like you now thinking, I need to hydrate more because I'm healthy and I'm dieting and blah, 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 so therefore they drink more and you know they then have more fluid in their body which then has to be removed via urine um or it could be i think maybe the breakdown of glycogen carbohydrates uh which obviously binds to water so they then have more water to excrete or the same with adipose tissue in um fatty acids and glycerol and and obviously there's release of water there as well so 
uh, I wonder whether and actually there's another thing obviously the, the I think Lyle McDonald my friend um, <laughs> he came up with a, a theory a long while ago which a lot of people still now quote but I don't believe there's any actual biological evidence that this is the case but um, he came up with this theory of uh, delayed fat loss and the whoosh effect I think I don't know if you've ever heard of the whoosh effect but basically you know quite often and anecdotally you do see this with clients in that weight loss stores for a while and you see this big whoosh and the theory was that that was fat cells um essentially losing their fatty or, or um fatty acids stored within those fat cells but they don't shrink and they just get filled or replaced with water instead and then kind of almost in ready for the uh, fat to then kind of come back but because you continue to diet and the fat doesn't come back your body then suddenly decides one day oh we don't need this anymore and there you see this wash effect of water and i wonder whether maybe that's something to do with it it's just basically water being released as Isn't i say argument really uh, yeah well the problem is, is that's like a lot of things uh and something we talked obviously in depth with uh with um david robert grimes about kind of like logical fallacies and how it sounds logical that obviously makes sense but then you realize it's utter horseshit it could be but if there's no other explanation for it at least you've got somewhere to start yeah well there might be an explanation i just never had anyone I don't think I've never asked anyone of more knowledge than me to see if they have an opinion on it. No one's ever. I've never heard anyone talk about it. In fact, I've never really heard anyone talk about peeing much in the nighttime. Um, albeit, I would say almost all of my clients report some frequency of peeing at nighttime than they when they they've dieted and started to lose weight. Do you not get that? Is it... I'm obviously very obscure then. Maybe they just don't tell you. Maybe they don't. Hmm. I obviously do. They t- tell me about sleep, but they don't. <clears throat> so I tell a lie. <clears throat> Sorry, before that, the only thing it could be cortisol related. I'm thinking about it actually. I'm just thinking about diet and stress, nighttime cortisol related. Does that increase urination? I don't know. But anyway, sorry, go on. Tell a lie. I did. Uh, I did actually. Funny enough, another remember uh, a client I had back yeah, it was last year now. When she was dieting, she would the the closer the closer the further we got into the diet, the more she'd pee in the night. Yeah, and I, I I would say four out of five clients tell me that, report that back to me. Maybe maybe five out of five, I don't know. Maybe nine out of ten. Those sort of odds. Big number. It is. Yeah, and I don't think I'm over-exaggerating that. And I will without doubt. Like, And it's, it's when I come out of diets, reversing out, I, again, as soon as I kind of get anywhere back into a calorie surplus or um, at least uh, eucaloric, I suppose, or, or um, maintenance... I will f- I will give it a couple of weeks and then those frequencies of peas again will just drop right off or go to nothing. I mean, even still without it, I'll I say 50-50 chance I might wake up and think, mm, yeah, I'll go to the toilet. Or, you know, have that experience, as I said, of fighting against it for a bit and then thinking, nah, I'll just give it and go. But Isn't the body a really mad thing? Even though me and you are pretty much identical, you know, in terms of physiology, then the total difference in how you respond to well, diet, the, nutrition. The, that's the mad thing about it all, I think, in that, you look at any part of nutrition or just kind of genetics really um and again i'm butchering this so i'll like just don't quote me on the figures because the figures are probably wrong but i believe the premise of something along the lines of like we are almost identical like all of us like even different life forms are very identical like across different species of animals but obviously the, the small DNA and genetic differences equates that just looks so different when it, when they're expressed by different things and people. Like I think there was this example or um, idea that someone had said about octopus or something or octopi being aliens and that they had 
there was some evidence or something around that they could potentially have come down on like a fucking comet and landed and they're, they're actually alien beings that have just survived and, and kind of evolved on our planet and you would say that sounds about right they are they are fucking weird and they're smart as fuck as well octopus uh however i believe i i heard someone who i would say is far far more educated in this area than i am talk about it say now their dna is still really similar to like every other like life form on this planet so do you know what do you know what this conversation uh it's actually to do with the, the older corona it's um no, it's, it's the the rona it's the rona it makes people's comments like the vaccine is changing your DNA even more fucking ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, you change your DNA marginally, you're a fucking mouse. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you <But>, stupid. <laughs> that is true. Do you know, do you know what I was finding? It's funny, like, uh, you, when, you, when you're, like, in this pandemic and you're speaking to people, isn't it funny, like, everyone knows, everyone's got, like, a safe, everyone's got, like, a genuine answer or, like, the accurate answer or the, 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 the proper answer. Like, if you start suddenly, like, feeling ill, and you're at a dinner party, not you've been at a dinner party in the middle of the fucking pandemic, you know what I mean? Like, you speak, you're speaking to someone, they're like, oh, I know what you need to do, you need to do this. And they speak with such authority, like, they know the answer's correct. You're like, you think about it, it's like, even people talking, experts talking about corona, it's like, they don't fucking know. But yeah, everyone's going, oh, yeah, you know what you need to do, you need to up your vitamin D. Yeah, that, that'll help you, and oh, that'll protect you, and you, oh, you just need to wash your hands, and blah, blah, blah. And they talk with such authority, I'm like, fuck me, everyone's guessing. Like, no one knows all this stuff. Why, why are people talking in such, like, authority? It's all, it's always the same. Well, the the experts will always say things like, you know, we don't know it all. We got a lot to learn. Uh, it depends. And then the people who are essentially very stupid in the subject will go, "This is definitely the case." And like, I'm probably not going to listen to you. Who was very very stupid at the subject. I will rather listen to someone who's, uh, I don't know, a fucking expert in the field who's probably been in school for fifteen years, mm. doing a job for twenty yeah. years. Yeah. I don't think you know. Barber off done a road on fucking Facebook who says he's going to cure Corona. I don't think I listen to that. I just I find it funny, like when you meet someone new, that they they kind of they always have to impress you, and whether that's because they're they're a people pleaser and they just want to be liked and they're just trying to impress you to be liked, or whether they're a bit more of a narcissist and they want to obviously just you know be better than you or well up top Trump type stuff all the time. It just always seems to be the way, and obviously they'll say they'll you'll say something they go oh I know that oh yeah I've done that or I've got the answer to that or whatever and obviously that's so, so fucking annoying problem is you kind of have to be like that and i understand why people like it because if you're not like it you just they, everyone thinks you're a cunt <laughs> simple as that because basically if you're if you're like yeah not bothered whatever like if someone tries to speak to you about something and then you're not interested in kind of doing that whole top trumps game about oh yeah i've done that or whatever else then you just the opposite is you just look like an arsehole because <laughs> you just um, make no effort like we've been like if you've been a 10 or if they've been in fucking 11 or if i haven't heard that before but i like it and I got it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I remember. I remember. I, I just got my shoulder playing rugby. Right, and there's a guy I used to work with. Ah, yeah, I don't know. I hit my shoulder back in on the wall. Don't know, I think he's in a film. I think it's Bruce Willis who just just hit his shoulder. And if you have just hit his shoulder, you ain't put. You ain't doing that. I'm sure you were not doing that. Yeah. I hit it back in the wall, and I know, and I was done within a day. And what happened to him a few weeks later? Just hit his shoulder. He was in this thing for twice as long as being my guy. Let's say, did he cry? So, did he cry? Yeah, I cry. Yeah. To be fair, I'd probably fucking cry. I imagine discounting your shelter is quite painful. And it's not very pleasant. Like you probably won't cry, but it's it's not pleasant. No. I didn't cry when I uh, um, ruptured my ACL. I ruptured, obviously, fully, fully, completely ruptured, completely disappeared, uh, tore my medial uh, and my meniscus and cartilage and all that stuff. I must admit, I thought I'd broken my leg though, but I didn't. I didn't cry. It was kind of like just. I actually wouldn't say it was that much pain, really. I mean, obviously a bit of pain, but not like 
what you might think. I was just more in shock. I think the noise made me like that sound. That's literally, it sounded like pulling almost like a chicken bone out. You know, if you eat like a, a chicken wing or a leg and you kind of pull a bone at the socket, and you, that's what it's, it literally sounded like. And that was really audible as well. It wasn't just kind of like, it, unless it was just in my head, but it sounded like it was like really loud. And um, yeah, I was running, running down the wing, chasing some little scamp and uh, tried to turn inside to follow him. And um, yeah, it just went. And there we go. There's me lying on the floor expecting to look down and see my leg slapped, snapped in two. But uh, obviously it wasn't. It ends up being that I just completely and utterly ruined my um, knee joint. So it's probably, probably better off taking the leg. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it'd probably be less recovery and uh, well, yeah, less recovery, but less damage done. Hey ho, is what it is. We live, we live and learn. Come back stronger. I'll let the cat in. <laughs> you go let the cat in, mate. I'll um, I'll either waste some time or hold on, and we're back, and no one will even know. So uh, yes. So anyway, moving on from the injury talk. Uh, anything update us on training? Obviously, you had a reasonable update of training nutrition yesterday, so please don't go into one about it. But is there anything of interest happened this week, or anything well, of note that came into mind while you were either training or eating this week? No. But however, two we have now have said no flight is going anywhere until May, including Wales. So that means now, I and it's going to a maintenance phase and make friends when you wait. Okay, you're, not, is, you're, not, you're obviously not worried about not getting married, which was the whole point of you getting on a plane and dro- and going somewhere to get married. You're not bothered about that. You're just more worried about stopping dieting and getting back to a maintenance phase. <laughs> <laughs> well, we like someone I can't control, so I'm not really worried about stuff I can't control. Really, you know stuff like that I like, oh, whatever I can't do anything about it but it, 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 it does it does bode well for um, I had this conversation with a client yesterday <clears throat> what she was talking about this is relevant when, when do I know my optimal weight or <clears throat> well, I, the lowest I can get down to and uh, <clears throat> I said if you're quite far away from where your body's comfortable you're, you're always better off taking a longer approach and diet in for a period of time, say 10, 12 weeks, maintaining that new weight for 12 weeks or more. Diet, it might take you a long, long time. However, when you get to where you need to get to, it's not so much of a struggle to get to, to maintain it. Mm. So for me, looking at that, say if I want to get a 180, which is about still 20-something pounds off, it's better for me to do that over like, the next 10 months so I'm comfortable at 180 and then you know when I start to sort of gain weight I might only ever get to 190 yeah, yeah. so I'm always basically the, for me the learning curve is don't get so fat well we, yeah we, I mean obviously that's a theory or thing that we've spoke about uh, let me just turn that on silent that's annoying um, that we've talked about a few times on the podcast and obviously it's one that I can go and agree I think most of my periods of trying to gain muscle and stuff have resulted in kind of getting over fat too quick. And obviously that's what you're saying in that. That's kind of what you, you feel like. You obviously let yourself kind of get fatter in terms of not so like the P ratio stuff. And obviously if anyone's interested in P ratios or partition ratios of uh, essentially how optimal you can be in terms of gaining weight of how much goes to muscle, and how much goes to fat. Um, really good podcast actually on stronger by science uh, a few weeks ago which kind of went into a lot of the evidence on that although i believe there's been quite a good rebuttal uh in uh, a blog post or something by menno henselman's talking about why he still believes in p ratio so the idea basically being that the leaner you get the better your partitioning ratio is so a lot of people say if you want to build muscle get lean first because you'll then have a better time building muscle 
the the idea is that there isn't actually not the idea what eric trexler and greg knuckles have, have suggested in terms of their rundown of the evidence is that there isn't really evidence that supports that theory although men are uh, i not I haven't read it i don't know but I, i'm guessing it's suggesting the opposite but this is clearly anecdotal from my behalf but i've seen <clears throat> it's not many people right it's probably three or four maybe five in the gyms i've been to throughout my life who have been fairly I call them a lump a bit of a lump no real shape just a big lump well not even overly big let's just say 14, 15 so which is big-ish but not too big mm. and they got to single digit body fat and after that even years later I'm like Jesus Christ you look like a totally different person like they are, they are I'm not saying they're as heavy as they were before but they've got shredded and never been out of shape since obviously they, they're not six percent but they're often around 12 and they look so much better and they look bigger they look better so i don't know that's just you can't obviously say that's what evidence is everything but it's just from what i've seen everyone who's got in really good condition shredded and there's not been a total bell end coming out of it and just eating what you want for three years straight after they've looked better even when they've come back to approaching an old weight yeah slightly off not that isn't off topic but slightly different view on it i think for me is that i think the p ratio stuff i'm not i mean listening to greg and eric talk about it i kind of get what they're coming from and and would say obviously i would bow to their greater knowledge of the evidence base and say that yeah i would i would agree with that opinion on that they don't really exist or it's not a real thing or certainly not something that is um kind of shown i would say that i think maybe where things like getting lean becomes a bit more practical and applicable to people in terms of getting lean first or um well yeah i suppose just getting lean at some point to kind of build from is it just gives you more of a platform to build from so you get more tight so it's not really the getting lean that is the causal effect of then a greater or better physique at the end of whatever the road is it's probably more a fact that well if you get lean first you can spend longer bulking because you you obviously you or you and you won't get overly fat or then have to diet so hard afterwards that type of thing so and there's a bit, I suppose, the approach that I have taken this time. So, you know, I guess that's maybe why I think that a little bit. But it just kind of makes sense, really, that the longer you're not dieting for, the better your outcome will be. And I think if you get to, say, middle, let's say middle single digits, like say six percent, you can, you can, you can almost, you can easily double your body fat and still be in good condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. I think... to be still in shape. Bulk for quite a bit, and as long as you put landmarks in, right? When I get to this percent body fat, I need to reevaluate what I'm doing or mini cut or do something. I think what I've been guilty of in the past, and you you know you shouldn't do it, and you tell clients don't do it. You just sort of go, yeah, whatever. Let's just carry on going rather than go like actually this landmark is a weight, a body fat percentage, a waist circumference. We're right. Yeah. I think too fat. Go back. Yeah, I think uh, aligning with that, I think I always had an opinion, and I don't know where I got this from. I think it's probably from reading articles and stuff where, like, they're talking about, oh, you, know, you first learn about calories and macros, and then immediately it's like, okay, well, your maintenance calories is X, so if you want to diet, you take off 500. If you want to gain, you put on 500, that type of thing. And then when it starts to come to ideas of, like, okay, well, when you're actually tracking and you're having to start guessing food, say, 
well, if you're depending upon what your goal is, if you're dieting, you're better off overestimating the in- intake so that you're safer in dieting and vice versa when you're bulking. So I kind of like when I was bulking, I was I was more relaxed thinking, well, I'm better off being over calories and under when I bear in mind that my goal is to gain weight. So I'd rather bank up as much as I can. And obviously that just leads to this perpetual idea of that you're always over, over rather than, and which I now look back at and think, well, I don't know why I was so worried and thinking, oh shit, I, I, I you know, I'm supposed to be bulking here. I don't want to be 50 calories down. I'd be better off being 50 or 100 calories over. Like if I don't, if you know, if I'm having a guess or not, if I can't be exactly accurate what I'm doing. So um, that just results in obviously you just being higher calorie intake than you possibly need. And what I was about to say is like in terms of I don't know why I thought that would be really that big of a problem because I'm still not in a, sep- surf- a deficit. Like if I was 600 calories over my calorie intake rather than 500 calories over in terms of a surplus is that extra 100 calories going to make any real difference to the amount of muscle accretion that I've made? Almost probably like nothing. All I've done is get added probably an extra 100 calories of fat or maybe, you know, 98 calories of fat and two calories of extra muscle maybe than what I would have done. Because cause you almost feel like, oh, if I didn't hit that surplus, then everything's wasted. It's completely utterly like, oh my God, I've, I've not gained any muscle. Like, well, no, you're still not in a diet. So that's a positive thing in itself you're still probably in a surplus which you know I, I would have been in no scenario so why am I really kind of making this massive deal out of something when in reality it's like I should have just taken it easier and not got overly fat which is so all those types of things and behaviors that kind of lies to because you just get into that bulker mode where I'm supposed to be bulking so I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in rather than just trying to think about it rationally wouldn't it be absolutely fantastic to be a, a professional bodybuilder who just doesn't have any of these issues mm. yeah would. I mean, like Juan Diesel Morel who has twenty thousand calorie cheat meals. Yeah. Cheat dick, sorry, normally this. Yeah. Well, like, when you that's... take when you're taking twenty thousand grams of test, you need twenty thousand calories, don't you? Sorry. Not saying he is. He probably is. <laughs> oh my god, no. we're gonna get sued. Oh okay. Um I don't even remember how we got onto this in terms of you were talking about training. Uh, oh yeah, because you were talking about your update being you're going to uh, to to maintenance. Um cool. Okay. Nothing really much to add from my, from my update, I think, in terms of just just keep riding the the wave of non dieting, um, gaining probably a little bit faster than I would have liked. My my rates of gains over the months seemed, I mean, it's averaged about point seven point seven five. I worked out, so I would probably looking more for the half percent, so a bit over, but I'm not overly worried. I think um, that was that's quite inflated from Christmas. And have, I think I spoke about this before. Actually, done it. Or I don't remember if I spoke on the podcast or if I spoke to you about it. But I think it's a bit overinflated by Christmas. But um, I think that'll that'll level out a bit more over the next few months. Uh, there'll be at some point soon. I think where I'll probably just do a bit of a mini cut, clean up a bit, like you say, hit one of those landmarks where give my, but give myself some more time dieting at the end of it, um, and just a bit of a break now from kind of keep pushing stuff. So but yeah, all good. Yeah, deload week this week from on the uh, on the training program I'm doing. So week seven deload everything's nice and light give me a chance to kind of really focus on just the movement patterns and just making sure that form is is like top notch on those things because obviously everything's so i mean it is the the deload that's been programmed is like ridiculously light like almost half reps half weight almost so yeah yeah, which can be off quite off putting to a certain extent but actually i quite i quite enjoy it i mean i did my session in about 24 minutes yeah i did it about 24 minutes this morning because i just superset everything because i had needed no rest between any periods because i didn't have to worry about um, performance 
and um, yeah, just got it done really, really quick. And then afterwards, I thought I'm gonna have a busy day today, and I know I'm not gonna be able to be particularly active because of stuff we had on. So I just went for a jog around the block, got three or four thousand steps in, just getting for a jog around the block. So I thought I have no issues with recovery based on the amount of workload I've just done. I might as well just spend some time now, which I would have been training, just to get some steps in to save me a bit of stress later, not worry about it. So that's that's, that's fair enough. We're gonna go for a walk after this. Mm, well, I'm, I won't be, but if you want to, mate, by the way. So. No, I'm on uh, under 10k, so I won't bother. No, I'm saying I, I won't be. I mean, I you know I've said before, around I'm very consistent in my habits and things like making sure I get my base level of activity in and just and it's stuff like that, which which is why I'm quite successful at it. I think because I do make a proactive kind of decision to do stuff that makes my life easier over the day. Um, it's generally just things like just getting stuff done early. I think if you if you if you achieve an objective early in the morning, it just sets the mindset out right for the day. And I think that's. I think I did a post on this one, or a story anyway, at least around. Um, oh, what's the guy's name? Oh, I've got mind blank now. But there's a guy that is a motiva- motivational speaker now that was in the military, and uh, he wrote a book called Make Your Bed. And it's effectively that idea of the re- the reason they make their beds in the military, and they're so kind of uh, prominent about how and what uh, you know when they do it is because that is the number one objective done for the day. And as soon as they've done that, they're then more motivated to be successful about other objectives the rest of the day. It's almost like that's the immediate uh, start of, of this list of things I have to do. Okay. Um, I think that like a lot of people can align with that. If you're like an early morning person and you like to get out for a walk, how good do you feel once you've gone and ticked that walk off in the morning and come back and you feel like uber productive for the rest of the day? Yeah, it's definitely, everything's good doing some form of activity in the day, whether it's training, cardio, going for a walk. Yeah. yeah. I just mean, yeah. I just mean like getting it done nice and early. Obviously, it's just like because it's then ticked off and done, and that's then a, a something that isn't on your mind for the rest of the day. Then it just frees you up to then focus on the next thing. What, what's the next thing I'm going to tick off the list to do? And it just makes you more um, efficient or motivated to get things done and be just basically better over the day. Yeah. We um, we're going to have a guest today, but uh, we had uh, an issue where we can't. So obviously, it's just been you. So we are going to still talk about the topic we said we talked about last week, which was the uh, idea of censoring the word obesity. So I don't know whether I should maybe just, um, I mean, we've, we've talked about our own opinions on it and I've talked with various people around the idea and just kind of back and forth different things, which kind of helped me play it through my mind a bit. I think it's a sensitive topic, obviously, and a sensitive subject, um, but it may, might be worthwhile me kind of setting up the bit of the, the premise as to why the idea of centering um the word and it's it, i mean it, to put it simply it kind of focuses around the the weight well just move your thing it made a right loud noise um so it if it, it basically focuses around the idea of uh or the ideology of not ideology, that's the wrong word uh the but it basically focuses around weight stigma um and that obesity to a lot of people with associate is negative associations is quite hurtful or it can be quite a hurtful term for people now, obviously, for people like me and you, which I mean, we have we have both been overweight. We probably, I mean, I certainly have suffered uh, bullying. I suppose is probably the best word at school and kind of as a youngish teen and and kind of into my early teens and twenties before I kind of lost weight and stuff. I've certainly had like even you know banter from friends laughing about it, that type of stuff, which you know you kind of take it as banter, but deep down sometimes those things can have quite an effect on people. Um, but I think regardless of, of kind of my own personal experiences and stuff like that, obviously I've never had to suffer the kind of the weight stigma that's found in things like healthcare. And obviously we know that that is a thing. There is like an anti-fat bias in healthcare where 
healthcare professionals will kind of fail to look past obesity um as a as a cause of specific um illnesses or, or whatever or, or kind of like medical conditions when in reality that might not even be the case i think like when we were t- talking about before i kind of used a really crude example of um someone can like an, an overweight or an obese individual going to a doctor and complain about back pain and then getting told that, that losing a bit of weight might help um and then it turns out they've got like a tumor on the spine that's what's causing it and obviously the kind of the doctor missed diagnose them i suppose because obviously they couldn't look past the the idea or this you know the fact that they're obese the idea that it might be the mode being overweight is causing a problem um so that's kind of like an idea of what what anti-fat bias is i suppose in like the healthcare setting stuff but obviously there's also the idea of the weight stigma and um kind of the way you know obese people get treated just generally and obviously then having a negative effect so it's kind of the idea is like the censorship of it and i best guess by like the the word the censorship of the word is kind of like starting to just ban it its use in general terms or put an asterisk in it to kind of like half cover it up a bit i suppose like the uh who, who was it the cancer research campaign wasn't it where they they kind of used obesity and and just you know, blanked out a couple of the letters um you remember obviously a few years ago now wasn't it? that that caused an uproar as well because obviously, um, obviously they were saying like obesity is the leading cause of i think it's a leading cause of cancer i can't remember now but a leading cause of cancer that no one talks about almost um and obviously it's the cause is a strong term i think i don't think you can really say cause because obviously it's associated but you can't say obesity is necessarily a direct cause to 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 cancer but um anyway so i guess we were just going to chat it through really and kind of see what what opinions because obviously the the censorship of it is to basically try and support people that are obese or overweight in in terms of kind of removing that word so that it no longer has the power to obviously upset or hurt people and i don't think it's any more complicated than that necessarily thoughts kick off the conversation on the on on the whole on the whole thing about it well i mean if 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 you want to i mean i think just to add a bit more context before you do go in um there was a prominent haze like health for every size uh, advocate leader i don't know um i can't remember what her um she's a uk based doctor i think it's like her instagram handle something like fat doctor uk or something like that i don't know and uh she went in on mr nadolsky spencer and um basically called him like because i think he'd posted something along the lines of uh, let me see if i can find it actually Censoring obesity is like censoring cardiovascular disease or type 2 diabetes. It does nothing to actually address the underlying issues surrounding weight stigma. Weight stigma is a serious issue and censoring clinical nomenclature, I can't even pronounce that word, is not the way to fix it. Um, and uh, I think she'd basically picked that out and then gone in on him saying he's just a, basically a, uh, I can't remember what she called him now, but basically like he's a, he's a fake doctor selling fat lots of products. And that's why he obviously says that. Um, which obviously I went a bit didn't it you are your behaviour that undermines whatever she's going to say next to me uh, yeah I mean kind of the problem is, is obviously they she she obviously is a prominent figure in an ideology of health at every size and yeah. has a, her own narrative and stuff to promote and obviously will never back down from that culture almost but but that's what I think that's where people a lot of people might dismiss that because They've got an ideology and they can't see past it and they won't entertain anyone questioning it, which then just, <clears throat> I think for me, it just, you just stop listening to her because like you're not willing to see another perspective on it. 
and you just shut people down and clearly call in the doctor who is a proper doctor, call him just a fake fat loss doctor, it makes you sound a bit ridiculous. Yeah. So it, it makes your, even if what you're saying is correct, you instantly get people's backs up and you undermine whatever you're going to say next, which makes, if you want your ideology to go out to a lot more people, it's not going to because you're already, you're, you've already exposed your behavior, your childishness, by attacking someone personally because you don't agree with them. Yeah. The, the problem is, is that I think like there will in her situation. So trying to understand her thought process and perspective, well, not just her, but like those individuals on that camp, uh, for a better phrase, is there will never be an acceptable situation where intentional weight loss is okay. I mean, obviously, their approach completely revolves around intentional weight loss and diets, like the anti-diet culture. It completely evolves around that not being a positive health seeking um action so they'll they'll obviously they obviously focus on kind of healthy healthy behaviors in general in terms of kind of healthy eating and exercise and all of those sort of things um but there will never be a situation in their eyes what an intentional weight loss will be an appropriate solution to anything and obviously spencer's not in that camp obviously he is you know a a, well he's a a gp and i don't know if they obviously don't have gps but he's a clinician in obviously america where he will sort intentional weight loss in the right circumstances but obviously it'll be a client-led type approach where he will discuss with the client around how the you know the objective stuff around how obesity increases risks for certain things and obviously how weight loss might help um attenuate some of that risk and and obviously bring those down so that they are no longer in you know these risk categories that doesn't align with what they think like they don't think that that's a acceptable you should never focus on the weight loss as a as, a, as the solution and you should focus only and purely on the healthy behaviors and obviously they're saying a lot of the focus on the weight loss is add into diet culture and add, add into weight stigma which i get torn right to be honest i um like just just to kind of i suppose give my feelings on it slightly or my initial feelings anyways that i think it's a really complicated thing and i think that i keep getting torn when i hear people so i'll hear people on kind of the the kind of the more anti-diet haze side approach of how this this all this sort of stuff in terms of you know even using the word obesity could be harmful and obviously i kind of get dragged a bit and i start to go yeah 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 okay yeah i agree with that yeah i understand yeah yeah and i kind of feel like i'm quite empathetic and and kind of stuff and then i speak to other people on the other side where they're like it's ridiculous censorship's never going to fix it and then i'm like oh yeah 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 no i get that and i agree yeah and then i just i find myself a bit like mm, i actually don't know really where i fit anymore um i think the more i talk to people the more I've kind of got to a point where I think like my personal view is that censoring it, censorship doesn't generally ever in any situation be, you know, has a positive influence. I think, I think in ter- like a lot of things, if you just don't talk about something, you almost give it power. And I think by talking about it, you kind of take away that power. So I think kind of like trying to censor obesity will probably have an, the incorrect effect, but then I don't base that on any evidence and there'll be smarter people out there will say, well, actually, no, that's bullshit. And this is why it's bullshit. And then I'll probably go, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I see why now. Um, but that's where I think I am at the moment. I think like I am at a position where I, I just, I think we need to talk freely about it. And I think censoring it, will, I worry that will probably end up less likely to actually address those issues. A bit like Spencer said, because obviously there are real issues in weight stigma. There are real issues in um, anti-fat bias in medical settings and in medical practice. Um, 
but I think if you don't talk about it, how are they ever going to get fixed? I mean, it starts with those these individuals and them kind of learning that, or or being it's a bit like AA, alcohol is fucking anonymous, whatever. But the first thing is admitting, oh, I'm an alcoholic. The first thing would be like the awareness almost in that clinicians that work need to be aware that this shit happens. In the same way, systemic racism is a thing. Like the first thing is being aware. Like we talk about systemic racism because being aware that it exists gives us a platform to actually do something about it. Mm. I think it's a. I feel a little bit like this is the same. I think the censorship thing actually just does the opposite effect. But it's like anything. People who want to censor things, they just want to force their opinion on everybody else. And we know there's a lot of topics like that recently where a certain camp is, is normally the people who are. <laughs> the minority as in a minority of an opinion of like like for example transsexual men to women should compete in women's sport there's a very small fraction of people who think that's correct and they will try and force their opinion on it on the other 99% who think really it's not it's not okay come on and they try and censor it and try and think oh you're transphobic because you don't agree with me and it's the same here it's like if you don't agree with them they go oh right you just don't like obese people it's like no, no. People that say uh, weight loss is never, what do you say, is, is never an outcome they want. It's like, well, no, it was, it's, it's never, uh, intentional weight loss is, it's not, weight loss is, is a perfectly fine outcome. Like, they're happy that if weight loss is a byproduct of kind of other health seeking behaviors, that's not what they've got an issue with. It's the intentional seeking of weight loss as a solution. That's the problem. So, you, so basically, going on a diet. Yeah, there's, 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 there's people in the world in the world who are more who are grossly obese. I mean, as a morbidly obese, who have to be told if you don't lose weight, you are going to die. Mm. Look, I, 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 just and on, on that. So let me just tackle that a bit, a little bit. Into when I say tackle it, in terms of like kind of like add some context. Now, I think most haze aligned individuals, so health at every size, or kind of like the anti diet crew, will say that they will improve their health markers and health benefits purely by doing the healthful things. So by eating better and exercise. And obviously me and you both know that that will result in weight loss almost yeah. all occasions because of, you know, if you suddenly change someone's lifestyle and they start doing the healthful things, they will probably lose weight. So it's kind of a bit of a chicken egg scenario, a little bit there. Um, any, any, a good coach, depending on where someone is, on the spectrum of uh, they want to change and where they want to get to and how I don't know how you feel the diet how well they know nutrition blah 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 no one's going to go like that right just uh, eat less just lose weight it's like every, you know you, you give them uh, a diet then in a framework you know mindful eating eating habits food environment being aware of calories da 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 and all those Mm. Yeah. those health seeking points will end up them creating an environment for them to lose weight which is so they are try, they are because people come to us for weight loss they, so they are intentionally seeking weight loss but the the road we take is almost a road that the anti-diet culture want us to take so mm. we we didn't sort of both you give them what they want in a framework that makes it as easy as possible to get them to where they want to be because or need to be in some cases, but yeah. Yeah. It's like, I can't, it's like, there are, if weight is definitely correlated with all cause mortality. If I'm heavier by three, four stone, the chances of me dying are higher. Whether it's, it's probably going to be fractionally higher, but regardless, it's still higher. Hmm. So, 
like would need to lose. So if you are a healthier weight, there's less chance of you dying of all cause of yeah. all cause. Say so you won't get cancer because there's always these people. Oh yeah, but he got cancer. And he was fucking uh, most the fittest man I've ever known. So, yeah, but you know you can't. It's like well, that's just anom- anom- anomalies and yeah, in it, that's what it's and, and and the environment puts a trigger, doesn't it? Yeah, can't, um, can't control genetics. Yeah. Just just to comment on the, I mean, yeah, absolutely. The you know the the BMI and Steve Kemp put an amazing post actually, which I meant to share at some point, but I haven't yet actually. But I'm going to the amazing post on the origins of BMI and actually why it's still really really relevant even to athletic population. Because um, obviously, sure. the, say again. Insurance companies use it for all cause modality. Yeah, that was his post. It's kind of obviously it was developed by insurance companies because obviously they started to notice this association between BMI, medical BMI, and obviously um, basically people dying earlier. And obviously for insurance companies, obviously if people are living longer, well, obviously depend upon the products, I suppose. But you know, if you're talking about life insurance, say people that live longer um, cost uh, or, or save insurance companies money. People that die sooner, obviously, cost them money. So. Obviously, they've got an interest in in kind of developing that and and kind of looking at it. So, um, obviously, that's kind of where it's come from. But I think obviously they it, Steve was using examples around even because I think even in the evidence based fitness community there is this this I this uh, I suppose even almost an axiom of that the the BMI doesn't apply to athletes, which in some cases is correct. There'll be people that are kind of categorised in the obese category but you would say are in very good physical condition and obviously, you know, athletes. Um, Albeit, when you look at the real context of that, um, I think Steve shared a picture of, like, Gordon Greenhorn uh, of, like, where he was in, I don't know, 80-odd kilos, like, quite lean, you know, definitely pushing single digits, if not into single digits, probably that. And I think it was, like, 25.1. So he was literally on the obese category by, like, 0.1. Like, so he was almost normal weight. And you're like, mm, okay, that kind of goes against this idea that it doesn't apply to athletic population because he's only just in the obese category, like literally. So it's kind of like not, it's not like he's fucking thirty, is he? He's like, as in terms of his BMI score. And they said to get in a thirty BMI, he, he, I think Steve's post said something like, you'd have to be Arnold Schwarzenegger back in whenever when he was doing all the drugs. Like basically, you'd have to be fucking massive, Mister Olympia. That's when you then become like obese, but obviously very lean. So other than that. BMI is still quite a good indicator, and like you say, the all-cause mortality data out there does show that you're in a high high risk of dying of all causes. And I think even kind of associations with a lot of obviously non um, or other diseases that aren't necessarily um, mortal, you're going to have obviously poorer um, quality of life, say just from being obese in terms of joint pains and all of these other stuff that obviously makes life a bit more difficult. What I was going to say, though, just to kind of pay devil's advocate a little bit, there is also enough literature out that shows that people's health markers improve um, irrespective of weight loss when they do helpful things. So basically, if you don't lose any weight, but you start exercising and eating slightly better, even if you still manage to maintain your energy balance and not losing weight, you still re- reduce things like blood cholesterol, blood glucose, um, like VO2 max and cardiovascular fitness markers mm. and stuff like that. So... That's where they are right in terms of the haze and anti-diet culture. That's where they are right in terms of that. You can still do of those things, not lose weight, and become healthier. And also, you know, there is a thing of obese, healthy individuals and non-obese, non-healthy individuals. <laughs> so, you know, you can't just look at someone and go, you're overweight, you must be unhealthy. Because that doesn't necessarily mean the case. Albeit on a broader spectrum, like we say, the data does suggest you're at higher risk of being unhealthy if you are overweight. 
you know, two people who, who, are, who look the same, but have, total, have totally different behaviours. They got there. One might do a lot of exercise, eat a lot of quality, eat a lot of quality food, but just eat only too much. Yeah, yeah. But then someone who is just <clears throat> same size, doesn't do any exercise, eats shit all day, and they can be the same weight, but obviously one is going to be far healthier than the other one. But it's like <clears throat> yeah, in a, in a vacuum. Sorry, mate. I'll say in a vacuum. So if you take out the idea of of genetics and other predisposition or disposing factors that affect health status, uh, in a vacuum, someone that eats shit but manages to maintain a air quotes healthy body weight compared to someone that eats really well, exercises, but obviously just doesn't maintain energy balance because they either consume a lot of healthy foods or just a lot of calories generally. Um, you'd you'd probably say that the larger healthy seeking person would be healthier generally than the smaller non-health seeking person because it makes sense doesn't it yeah I think as well as if you're obese then if you monitor your own health like you can get blood tests of many checks so you can get it's easy in it mm-hmm. right I am whatever whatever I am obese morbidly obese but right actually my HDL is low my LDL is high my total attack Total triglycerides are high. My blood pressure is through the roof. The chances are you're not very healthy. And you continue doing that for a long time, you're going to die early, or you're going to develop things that will kill you: stroke, heart attack, blah blah blah. Right. Let's start walking. And if you monitor your, if you do all these healthy behaviors, you, you, you exercise, you eat the nutrient dense uh, diet, you sleep well, blah blah blah. And you can you'll be able to see what the di- what different things are making by monitoring your own health. And you go, there must be a point where you know if you're forty percent body fat, forty percent forty a BMI of forty, you do the healthy behaviours. And there must be a point where you're going to have to look at action. You're going to have to you've established the health seeking behaviours, but then you're going to have to go on a not change your mindset, but go right. Actually, I, I've got to look at deliberately to lose weight I've got the health seeking behaviours in place so I know I can do it in the best and easiest way possible but there must be a point where you have to go actually my, you know, my LDL is still low I've got to go and sort this out before it starts to become an issue in 10 years so I think you know, in an ideal scenario yeah you would just perform these health seeking behaviours for years and get to an ideal weight but like doesn't always happen, is it? There must be a point where you've got to be aware of how much you're eating and be aware of how many calories you're eating and deliberately manipulate that to, to even get the final, you know, the final. Yeah. Uh, there must be a point. It, it'd, be, it'd be great to go right or have these healthy behaviours and then not intentionally lose weight and end up losing all the weight you need. But it's like, how often does that happen? Um. I think it depends on the driver. I think when you're talking about health status, I think probably less of less of a problem. But I think when you're talking around people's own body confidence and their own um, opinions of physique and and kind of how they feel about their own body, I think it's different. I think it's a lot that latter is a lot harder and more difficult. I think less people achieve that idea of where they do feel comfortable in their own body. But then that's the whole point, really. That feeds into why Hayes believe what they, they believe, because they believe that diet culture is fucking us all up, and we shouldn't all get to a point where we even worry about how our body looks. Which we know in reality from working with enough people that 
like that isn't the case. And I, I had this conversation with Kerry, a client of mine this week around, we were kind of reviewing goals, motivation and stuff, which, you know, you regularly do with clients. And, um, I can't remember how I said it now or how we got onto it, but we were talking around kind of like in a bit like what you've, you know, you've said about ideal worlds and stuff, but in an ideal world, everyone would be happy with how they look like no matter how they looked, they would be happy. I know in reality that doesn't exist. Like I would love to be able to go snap, click of click my fingers or, you know, you know, flip a switch and just all of a sudden all my clients don't give a fuck about how they look. And they just all of a sudden are, you know, they're only bothered about the health seeking behaviors and kind of being a healthy individual and that aesthetics never comes into it. But I, the analogy I said to her this week was like, it's a bit like saying, well, uh, I know there's like, um, man eating sharks in the water, but you know, I'll just jump in anyway. It's kind of, well, yeah, I, I, I can't remember like how the analogy or like why it was appropriate. Cause saying it out loud, that sounds really stupid, but it's, but I think it was, I was saying like, look, ideally there'd never be any sharks in the water and you'd be happy. Like in terms of the same way as ideally you'd be happy with your body and you'd never have to think about how you looked, but we know there's sharks in the water and we know diet culture exists and we know that people are unhappy with their bodies. But so you kind of just have to manage the sharks in the same way as you have to kind of manage diet culture. It doesn't mean we don't stop working towards trying to think about our bodies in ways where we appreciate things that they do do. We appreciate the way we look. We appreciate the functions of them and basically trying to do all those things that take us away from the kind of the, the shallow aesthetic side and we kind of work on ourselves more and so we get a bit more like body neutrality or kind of body positivity and confidence in our own bodies because that's always the goal to work towards that but I, I think the the difference between someone like us is we don't align ourselves so strongly with haze and anti-diet even though we know it exists and we don't agree with diet culture we don't align ourselves so strongly against it that we just basically dismiss it as a thing as in we just dismiss the fact that there are fucking sharks out there because um, we still have to work with our clients and manage their their ideas around it and you know sometimes that does mean helping them intentionally lose weight because that's the thing that makes them feel better but while you're doing that we're still also chipping away at the 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 confidence and the body neutrality side and just making sure that they realize that you know the likelihood is they'll get lean and shredded and they won't feel any better about it anyway because <laughs> that's generally what happens people lose a load of weight and they think that's going to be the panacea in terms of how they suddenly have all their problems solved and they realize they're exactly the same fucking person but just smaller I realise, oh, okay, that didn't fix my problems. That's just the way it is. I mean, don't wrong. Sometimes people do lose a bit of weight and they feel mega on holiday or in front of their friends and get a load of compliments. And then that's like, wow, oh my God, I'm amazing. I feel so much more confident and positive myself. And that does happen. Yeah. I think it, it seems like these days um, people don't need to focus on looking good. They just go, oh, accept where you are. But like, which is a fucking stupid, which is a stupid answer to me to accept who you are yeah but people don't so there's no point in saying it's like saying oh I'm overweight I just died it's the same thing isn't it yeah. it's like if they're not happy they're not happy that's just how it is isn't it you try I can't say oh no well nah you're alright it doesn't get, it doesn't make doesn't make doesn't their life so, yeah it doesn't suddenly make them happy because you've suddenly gone cheer up that's a bit like depre- you know, someone's depressed cheer up mate no, cheer yeah. up have a smile go on you're right yeah. I, used to, I used to get girls say that to me in clubs sometimes. Like I remember when I was a broody teen, and I'd be hanging around a club like trying to pick up chicks, and uh, I used to get girls walk past me and go uh, smile, whatever else, because they because I look moody. And I'll be honest, that never worked. Like I was trying to pick up chicks, and immediately I was turned off. I was like, mm, no thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same, isn't it? It's like <laughs> it's like the, obviously the anti-diet culture, and the diet culture. It's like why do anti-diet culture approach the subject a bit? better so you're more likely to get a better response from people 
not go, nah, you should never get them to lose weight. Like, when anyone says you should never, or it should never, it's like, you know, you think can't twice, say that. Twice. I think twice. You can't say that because you are going to be wrong at some point because you will be wrong and they have been wrong, clearly. I want to go, right, actually, you know, this group of people focuses on, I don't know, whatever, calories, macros, different sort of foods. And go, actually, why don't you try and implement mindful eating, try and implement food environment into your framework so at least we both got a bit of something and people are both happy rather than going ah that's crap do all this it's never ever 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 going to work because people are going this is what I've done or this is what I've done don't come and uh, attack what I do well you know it's worked for them sort of thing and you've got to you've got to warm people up to the idea of arguing with someone is never going to change your mind you've got to make them see the other side Possibly, and then go. Actually, that looks something I could implement in my coaching or whatever. But they don't. So it's like that woman who attacked Spencer. She looks like an absolute idiot, no? She's attacked him personally straight away, and whatever she's going to say, I very much doubt he's going to go. Oh yeah, good point. He's going to go. She's probably personally attacked me, so I'm not going to listen to it. Mm. Rather than saying, actually, oh yeah, look, I see your point. Da 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 da. We focus on da 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 da. Maybe we can have a conversation about maybe moulding something together. For the both of us, we both get our opinions across and more importantly the client gets what they want yeah. because they all seem to be like yeah this is the best way but like, actually every client's different so you look at the client going in front of you and decide with them what is the best approach yeah I think like the obesity the sense of obesity is ridiculous if there's an issue with the doctors going they're not seeing past the obesity that's not an obesity issue. That's not the word. That's the. That is the doctor's. That's the issue. doctor's behaviours or yeah. Behavioural issue. Not. You can't. It's like the same thing lately. If a little minority of people do something wrong, then everybody else has to not suffer, but everybody else has to face the consequences from a small, co- uh, a small group of people's behaviours. And, it, and it's just like rather than addressing the issue then it's like, okay, if an obese person comes in with a, with a certain ailment, like you said earlier, all right, that particular cancer is whatever, one in 10,000, then you could say, right, actually, on, and it's not, the body's not statistics, but on, statistically speaking, the chances of that person having that cancer is one in 10,000. So the only other option is your obesity. So you could sort of see, okay, they're not, maybe not looking, but are they not looking because... The chance. This is a this is a very niche situation, obviously, right? But like, they know the odds of this disease are very, very, very slim. Then they're going to look at right, do this first, and then we look at that. But you know, really speaking, if they've gone like this, this, and this symptom, like let's actually look at the whole thing. Then you've got the thing of the time, the cost, the patients behind them, how long have they got? It's yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's just like. Well, it's just because it's just because overweight. Let's do this. Maybe because they've only got like some like dummy. They got ten minutes. So like, yeah, they might be time pressured, and you know that's causing some of the behaviours. And that's part. I mean, but, that's part of the systemic issue, perhaps yeah, in that. They, yeah, they've got ten minutes to a client, and they're immediately going down the most to them obvious route. Or hmm. yeah, okay. Well, I mean, just it obese, don't it? It's, it does. You don't need to say you're obese. Everybody knows, but like 
like you said, like uh, the anaesthetist, if anaesthetist would need to know your weight. Yeah. yeah well, no, exactly. There are obviously medical um, situations where it's really important to talk about, and obviously you can't not talk about it. But I guess the you know people's ideas are that you don't have to call someone obese; you can just use their weight. You can obviously you know to an anaesthetist can be told they are X amount of weight and height, etc., or whatever they use. But why can't people, why can't why can't it, it should be if you go to the same doctor throughout a bit of your life, you people probably do maybe stick to the same doctor for quite a few years. When it's go right, I don't think all of these done solved. Yeah, yeah. and I, I guess like, obviously you know that's what a lot of people say. I mean, it, just just going back, bring it back a little bit to kind of like the that topic of the censorship because obviously we've gone on to different stuff around anti diet culture and, and other stuff. Um, obviously, there was comments made around obviously. Yes, censoring might not tackle the underlying condition, um, but obviously there are hugely different contexts involved and all of this type of stuff like we've kind of investigated a bit. But I suppose frequency, like obesity frequency being used as a label to stigmatise, um, then there are going to be certain individuals that, or, or like a large co- cohort of people that might say that, you know, used or censoring that word or taking that word out actually just reduce that immediate pain that they've felt for years and years um and obviously it is gonna be individual because like i kind of said at the start of this i have suffered from name calling or bullying as a child and grown up and i don't have offense i i don't i don't look into the word obese or obesity or someone being called obese now as necessary anything but a medical term but obviously I'm also trying very hard not to view the entire world on my own little lens. So obviously this is kind of where it becomes really difficult because obviously everyone's lenses are very, very different, I suppose. Um, and I think we spoke about it prior to last week's podcast where we, where we were just kind of pre-chatting before we started recording, where I said about there are elements sometimes of where, like, I hate cancel culture, I hate censorship, I don't think that they're particularly very positive for the most part. There are obviously certain situations where it's different, I think they, they sometimes it's needed, but for the most part, I think the, like, progressive, right, um, left-wing, kind of, like, super woke social justice movement is having, like, a negative effect, and not, and it's almost like a bit of a backfire effect. I don't think it's necessarily being as positive as it, as it should be, or could be, because it's almost gone to the extreme, like, you know, like most things. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, so yeah, so I think like that's that's kind of where I feel a little bit in terms of like this sort of stuff where it goes a bit too far. And I think kind of talking about it, as I said, is going to be something that probably has a more positive effect. But I sometimes then flitter and think, well, I don't I don't find it difficult to find a different word. So maybe I should just accept people's ideas of that. It upsets me. So yeah, or, or not necessarily like people as in an individual, but just at a general level, all of a sudden the word obesity is offensive. So therefore, I just won't use it. In the same way, we just don't use other words anymore. Yeah. But it's like anything in it. Offense is taken. Not that people generally speaking, medically who use the word obesity do not do it to deliberately offend people. And if someone takes offense to it, all I'm going to say is, I'd rather not use that word. And doctor will go, all right. Rather than going, it's always people who shout the loudest. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is what I don't like. Everybody's got to follow my way of doing it, which is exactly what you're getting with the transphobic people, the anti-diet cult, all this nonsense. People like, they're trying to force all their opinion on everybody else because a couple of people have been offended. People, I, I don't know many doctors, right? But I doubt them. They go out their way to offend someone for no reason. Like, oh, it's a medical term. You are categorised as a beast. And if they say, look, 
I know I'm obese. I don't really like the word because it makes me feel bad. But I'll go, okay, we'll use something else instead. Yeah. So rather than going, it's an individual thing, people are trying to blanket prescribe everybody the same thing, which yeah. never, ever, 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 ever works i think that's that, that's a really good example and i think even on that if a client like for me and there, there's probably reasons why this can't happen or or like uh, someone else with a more informed opinion might have a different opinion but if a client said oh so if a patient i should say of a doctor said um i know i'm obese but i don't like you talking about it because obviously it upsets me it makes me feel bad or you know whatever you know i've i've suffered from bullying and get called names all the time i just don't like it can you please don't use it um, which I, I appreciate might be really difficult for someone to even say out and they might not be, be come, feel comfortable saying out, which is obviously a, a, another subsection of this whole conversation, I suppose. But if they did say that and they said, I just, you know, I don't even want to talk about my weight. I don't, I don't want to talk about medical treatment for my weight at all. I think a doctor probably again has to probably even respect that. Even though you know, that's a bit, I mean, you know, someone can refuse cancer treatment or they can refuse an operation on a broken leg if they want to. I, I think someone who's obese, if they feel like it, they should be able to say the same about, I don't want to talk about my weight. But I think that does revert back to me a little bit, like you said, around the doctor and their own practice. And that should be down to that doctor to understand the situation and practice in an ethical manner where they do that, where they have that conversation with that individual and don't just immediately go, you're overweight. I mean, it's it's difficult because I shared that video, didn't I, with you? or I told you about it anyway, where there's, and I can't remember who shared it in the first place, but there was a like a TikTok or an Instagram reel or something of someone crying in their car where... Um, she looked like a, a slightly overweight or, you know, possibly any obese categorized BMI, like with a bit of BMI, but you wouldn't say she was like morbidly obese by any stretch, but she was crying in her car saying about how she'd been suffering with stomach cramps and pains for months on end when she eats and she'd just been referred to a new doctor and uh, told the doctor about it. And the doctor's response when she said, um, I'm really sh- struggling or finding it hard to actually eat, his response was something like, maybe that's a good thing. And obviously, like, a lot of people will laugh at that and think it's hilarious. Think, oh, that's a really quick, witty retort type thing because she's she's overweight and she's complaining about eating or having trouble eating. But I suppose that's the type of behaviour that the the crowd that are supporting the censorship will be pointing to to say that type of stuff is what is causing weight stigma and having this negative effect for individuals. Which, to be honest, like weight stigma has been like proven to obviously. There's this idea that if you shame people, they'll that shame will turn to action and they'll f- turn their lives around and and obviously kind of not be overweight anymore. That that isn't true. That's bullshit. Like weight stigma generally has an exacerbated effect on it and obviously makes makes the situation worse. So like that idea of a doctor going, oh maybe that maybe that's a good thing. That's only going to have a negative effect on that individual and they'll likely kind of resort to emotional eating and stuff like that more likely and begin, you know become even more obese. So. That's the doctor's problem, isn't it? That's, but the doctor's a dick. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's, it's that it's that culture, isn't it? If someone's upset, they go straight on Facebook and chuckle all over Facebook with no context whatsoever. Yeah. People just go, "Oh yeah, that's all," you know, blah blah blah. And it, who knows if that conversation even went like that? For well, one. no. She, she, obviously, you've got. She she yeah. she was sobbing her eyes out, and to be honest, yeah. watching the video, she's a fucking good actress. If it wasn't true, like she looked absolutely broken and devastated watching that video yeah. back. So. That thing. So the, the so what she and it was you know she's going right to, to the, the whoever he works for and put a complaint in because now you've obviously got you know people are like on Facebook. You know I'm surprised nobody's put a fucking bomb in his letterbox these yeah. days. Well, yeah, know? yeah. I think going on, on on TikTok and Facebook and and go right. This is what's happened. It's like well, why don't you just this? I was clearly upset in for her. 
deal with it in a, in a fucking proper manner that will actually get things changed. Mm. Like again, it's people will see that yeah, we just sense with obesity or whatever. Well, no, it's the doctor's lack of empathy for her that's the issue, not the whole obesity thing. Yeah. It's just, he needs to be looked at and go actually, what you've done there is unprofessional. You need sort, you need to do whatever you need to do. Yeah, I think um, obviously we're we're probably at time here, but I think just to kind of round it off a little bit, just something you said a, a moment ago, which is the same uh, phrase that I keep coming back to time and time again when we're having conversations with people, is around that the idea that like words do not equal words and intent are different things that don't equal the same. Like so, and I think society today, for whatever reason tend to have this problem or struggle differentiating the difference different is that a phrase differentiating the difference differentiating it <laughs> it's like doubling up um they, they don't understand the difference between words and intent like there are words have meaning absolutely but the way those words are intended can drastically change meanings um like punctuation like if you put a comma somewhere in a sentence and then move it to somewhere else in a sentence, sometimes that can make the intent or word meaning of that sentence something completely different um like you can google i can't remember there's a phrase for it but i can't can't remember what it is now but there's like plenty of phrases where like you put six words together and where you put the comma then changes the 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 meaning of that sentence like from one polar opposite to another and nothing's changed but where a comma's sat and it's stuff like that really in terms of how nuanced and complicated conversation is communication i should say um this is where we lie i think we just struggle nowadays for people to understand the difference between words and intent i think people or kind of coming back to that the conversation i started to go down in terms of like far left and social justice kind of movements or social justice warriors where they're almost trying to find words align their own intent for power and control and that lead you know and censorship but obviously that's like a fucking whole nother i mean obviously it's a political podcast really rather than a nutrition podcast then when we start to get into that realm but i think a lot of this does align a little bit with with that in pushing like the haze and anti-diet culture are kind of latching onto this idea of censorship because i think the the the, the 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 reality of it is that it's it's a good premise at a high level in that we all probably would agree and i think we do as in we feel like we're good human beings and ethical human beings that we would agree that if there's something that we could do that will help support large cohorts of people in feeling better then we should do it but i think it comes to a point when you start to analyze what that means in reality in terms of okay by doing that you want me to censor a medical term which probably wouldn't have any actual impact in the grand scheme of things I don't think personally anyway that seems a bit madness it does and I hope that the medical community don't just bow down like all these big companies are doing these days okay we've offended a couple of people let's just get rid of a medical term which is absurd get rid of a medical term just Mm -hmm. because someone doesn't like being but there's, lo- there's loads of medical terms we have i mean even the word i suppose i mean I suppose the word retard like when you you know we we, we say because oh you're a retard like it's just something that as kids we grew up saying rightly or wrongly um and obviously like a lot of us would still use it with our mates now in that kind of term just as a jokey banter term but and obviously that that, that is a medical term that we've got people have just coined as a colloquial phrase of taking the piss out of your mate type thing but obviously you can't use that now because it's so politically incorrect you can't you can't call someone a retard it's like you wouldn't you would never say it in front of disabled children 
You know what I mean? You you you're aware. No, you'd use, enough, but... You're aware enough to use it in a different context. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, clearly I'm not. You know that's that's the, that's man. If you don't mean it as an offensive word, but if you're if you're in the you're short of, you wouldn't say it. Right. And, and, and to be honest, that that's where the idea of you know keep coming back to the words versus intent thing. Like you wouldn't say it because you understand the difference between words and intent, and you wouldn't want to intend someone. And obviously, you kind of have, like you say, that your awareness of that the way it could be taken by someone else. Um, I don't know what's going with that really, because I don't know if that really properly aligned with that example. But as in, I suppose, like, I guess your mate, when you're saying it to your mate, he knows what intent you're using. Therefore, why you laugh it off and just move on? Because obviously, oh yeah, whatever, mate, jokes, you know, kind of thing. Whereas, I suppose someone else could then use that against you and decide that their intent is something that isn't yours. They, they will, they'll decide how that in, is intended, not you, even though you're the one who used it. Yeah, and that's the issue. They shouldn't force their opinion on me. I'm, I might not, I might not like hearing someone of a group of people I don't know. No. If I mean, if I just walk past, I can't go. Oh, you didn't mean that like that. Well, how do I know? I don't know what he means or she means. Mm. That's a problem with it nowadays, isn't it? No. Yeah, and like, like I think going back to what you said, the ideal solution would be they take to one side and say, uh, "Excuse me, I really didn't like how you did that," and you'd be like, "Oh shit, okay, I'm sorry, I won't do that again, thank you," and then you both go on your happy days, jolly, you know, ha- both happy. Like that—that's the ideal solution or the outcome would be. But instead, what would usually have that scenario is they'll piss off. Like if you said in a workplace, someone will go to their boss, get you sacked, when they could just... take to one side and just explain that it made them feel like shit, and you would probably go, "Do you know what? I'm really sorry. I didn't mean that. Wasn't my intent ever to make you feel like shit, and I w- and I'll try not to do that again." We do live in an era of cowards in that respect because how often do you see there's no context of the situation at all someone's just said something and someone's recording it just at that moment and, and on, all, on all the stupid fuckers on Facebook going oh look what he's done he's like you've got no context you don't know what's happened you cannot comment they yeah. got a police videos yeah. look what he's done he's hitting some guy in the head you could, have, you could have tried to shoot him you know there's no it's just like rather than going let's look at the whole situation here and see what you know what it could actually be it's like you see a little bit of it and whoever shouts loudest oh that must be it that must yeah. be right that's the context he's using and it's never it's never the case is it you know no no it's it's i mean this will be this let's round off with this but basically it's a really complicated scenario um and i don't know the answer i don't think there is a right answer um i just think we agree i think our our beliefs come to that we don't think censorship's the right solution and that there's something else needs to be looked at to tackle what is actually a genuine issue in terms of weight stigma and anti-fat bias in healthcare and all that type of stuff so um yeah it'd be good to get an expert on to, to kind of talk about and i'll be honest i'd be interested in hearing someone more aligned with Hayes and anti um anti-diet culture to kind of talk about more on their perspective about it rather than us kind of assuming which we have done a lot of this podcast but um not not to say that i think i'd agree with all or much of it really but i think it'd be interesting just to hear people out because i think that's the idea and i, I think that's why i get i purposely try to be open-minded to hear a lot of that like other side because it helps me form my own opinions a bit but i also think it's a little bit also why i feel a little bit like i get dragged from one side to another and that then makes me feel like i don't know really where i fit but as i started this kind of conversation but there we go um hopefully you enjoyed it i enjoyed it do you enjoy it johnny I do like talking about a uh, little bit more subjects, I guess, yeah. You do like a rant as well, don't you? So when you can go off on one. And obviously I would say you did very well in, in kind of controlling your, uh, I don't know, just your, your expression of your opinions on it. So <laughs> I think very good. Not that, that obviously they're in any way bad by any stretch, but I think it like when you start talking about things around 
I mean, you trans obviously brought up a couple of transphobia examples, and obviously that that conversation itself is a whole podcast around whether like athletes, like um, transgender athletes, should be able to kind of compete in certain uh, gender based sports and stuff. And that would be a really cool uh, topic to kind of talk about sometimes, and we will. But um, they can obviously get di- difficult conversations, can't they? So um, cool, right? Hopefully, everyone else enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe share on your networks please 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 share and tag us in so we can say thank you um a few people have started doing that uh and we really do really do genuinely appreciate it so thank you um anything else johnny i hope everybody bought cheese yeah i hope ev- well we, yeah i hope everyone made use of the 20 percent off sale unfortunately if you didn't it's ended and lost now but you still get 10 percent off if you use the code nnn10 at eat lean they've changed they've actually uh changed their website address or um yeah the website address for i think it was eat lean food before now it's just eat lean eat lean.com so i was in the world i think on to the eat lean yeah. on the show. well I, I mean obviously they do other products other than cheese so obviously kind of they went from eat lean cheese to eat lean food but they've now just dropped the eat lean food and just let's just eat lean so why not um so yeah so uh, i bet that costs some money that i bet if they had to buy that website address off someone i bet that cost a few pennies eat lean because um, someone probably had hold of that thing. Oh, I'll make some money off that at some point. <laughs> um, and that word lean, because I'm not lean to get down. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, aren't we all? <laughs> um, cool. Right, on that note, let's say bonjour, au revoir, and all of the other sign-offs we normally do. It'll be the same. Bye. Thank you for listening to the NNN Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week. Thank you.